Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%German.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algema and our stalwart producer, Simon Josie, to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly. Hi, Simon. Hope you're well. <laughs> hi, Nick. How come I don't get an adjective? What do you mean? Hey, it's a stalwart producer, and who the fuck am I? Let's 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 the stalwart producer say something before you start nagging me about the intro. <laughs> Can I at least say hi, hi Dilly, hi, hi Simon. Nick. Right, agenda point one, Dilly. What what's the issue? You want you want some exciting adjective? Is that? I would like an exciting adjective. I don't I, I don't see what's wrong with that. Well, you can self-select if you like. What would what would you like to be known as, Dilly? But you didn't choose it. You you Nick bestowed it upon you, as as if you know. Oh, so that's what it's meant to be like. Like what is this? The the like Excalibur or something? Like the Knights of the Round Table? It's been bestowed upon me by the powers that be. I'll I'll yeah. think of something, Dilly. Okay. Although now you you've got me that. thinking about it. I'm you not sure that. you'll you'll like the result. We'll see what happens <laughs> next week. We'll come up with something. I'm sure. I'm sure you will. I'm excited. Anyway, before Dilly derails the podcast any further, <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as is her want, it's it's coming up for Advent calendar season. Uh, I think, what are we on? The 28th of November. So we've only got a couple of days until we open our first calendar doors. My wife spent the weekend and most of last week constructing a rather elaborate Advent calendar for, the, for my daughter. So it's like a homemade one. Aww. Apparently that's very in this year. So we're on trend. And then she uh, she she turned up a couple of days ago and said, oh, I've got a surprise for you, which is always a sort of nerve-wracking uh, thing for your partner to say. And she uh, gave me a a 24-day porridge advent calendar, which means for 24 days, I have a sachet of porridge to, to go with it. And I didn't know there was 24 flavors of porridge. And some of them are a bit dubious, I'll be honest. There's a couple of repeats in there. But I'm not sure I've got the stomach to eat 24 days worth of porridge. I'm not sure that anyone has that capability. Um, is this porridge that you have to heat up on the stove? Is it that kind of porridge? It's like little sachets, so it's like pre-mixed. I think it's microwavable. Okay. Dilly, what other kind of porridge is there? There's overnight oats. Was that porridge or just just? It is oats. It's oats that you leave uh, seeped in milk overnight in the fridge and you eat it in the morning. You don't have to cook it. It's quite nice. Uh, but that's, isn't that muesli basically? Well, it's oats and you make porridge with oats. It's just uncooked. I don't know how, how far do you want to go down this rabbit hole, Nick? Maybe you should yeah, bail us out of this one before it just gets nasty. Do the two of you feel like arguing semantics? Or sure, bring it no, on. No, I just feel like I just feel like you're doing you're doing um porridge dirty by like putting it in the fridge overnight. That sounds horrendous. It's like a horrendous way of making porridge. What is dubious uh, dubious porridge for you, by the way? You just said that some of the sachets look dubious. Oh, just the flavors. Like? Uh, I think there's a lot. Of, well, the, 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 there's like reasonable flavors, like the kinds of things you'd expect. There's like honey and there's a chocolate one, I think. Hmm. And then they've got like like evocative names like fitness porridge. Okay, so it has some chopped nuts in it. Probably. that's I, I haven't opened it yet, so I yeah. can't see exactly yeah. what is considered fitness porridge. Yeah. And there's another one that's like rise and shine. or And it's just like, I don't know what. I don't know what these are. It's like when I go to the vape shop and they've got all the vapes and there's like, then they don't tell you what the flavor is. They just give you like a vibe. And it's, <laughs> so. You know, I would love to get a 24 porridge advents calendar. I, I, I think it's a lovely idea. I think your wife is pushing you towards 
embracing a healthier lifestyle, if I have read the room right? <laughs> I don't know if chocolate <laughs> and porridge is classified as a is a healthy option. To be it's got good honest. stuff. Cocoa powder. It's 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 got like what anti-inflammatory whatnots. Honestly, I can't believe you're on my wife's side. Yeah, you didn't give me an adjective, Nick. This is what happens when you don't give me an adjective. Well, you just become you just become bullshy and belligerent. Belligerent <laughs> Dilly. There we go. For, I'm joined by co-host Belligerent <laughs> Dilly Alkema. For saying porridge is good. I, I think porridge is nice. I mean, I think a couple of years ago, my boyfriend and I decided to give ourselves self-made advent calendars. And um, it, it was a lovely idea, but like buying 30 things or what, 25 things for someone on a budget and um, making them different to each other, it's, it's, it's a task. I don't know who I don't know how to do it. Personally, I'd be disappointed if I didn't get chocolate. Though I did reveal on Blue Sky not so long ago that one year I got um, from my wife a gin and tonic advent calendar, Ooh. which I faithfully consumed. And I was almost sick of gin and tonic by the end of it, I have to say. Were you just knacking gin at eight o'clock in the morning? Was that the I was going to ask, did like, you open it in bah! the morning, like straight out of bed? <laughs> Wee! <laughs> No, no, because with my normal chocolate one, I I don't have that until the evening, so I didn't have the gin and tonic till the evening either. But I'm I'm not the kind of person who drinks alcohol every day, and so it was quite, kind of hard going to be honest. Even though they were quite small, mm -hmm. but nevertheless, well, like last year we had a big issue because like 14 people bought my daughter a advent calendar, which just infuriated me because they were all chocolate calendars, mm -hmm. and I'm like, what are you meant to do with that, really? Like, we're not going to give them give her 14 chocolates in the morning. Like, mm. what kind of horrendous lifestyle do you think we're leading? And after not so quiet word in the various ears of, of, of relatives, we have no calendars. <laughs> like, no one's brought us a single calendar, which is glorious because we have finally have control over what my daughter is putting in her stomach early in the morning. So, there is some sweets, I think, in that in the homemade advent calendar. But to be honest, I only know one thing that she's got. I don't know any of the others, so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to finding out oh, what the hell's going to be in this advent calendar. But um, yeah, I do like the homemade stuff. I mm. like the homemade. It's not something we do too much in Britain, but I've seen it done a few times here. So, I mean, what did you put in your homemade calendar, Dilly? I think there were about five puzzles because <laughs> I I remember giving my boyfriend a, a kind of like a ceramic kind of mouse. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't mean a computer mouse. It was a like a little mouse because I call him mouse sometimes. He's oh, my little mouse. Oh, oh he's not that little. I've seen him. He's quite tall. He's Dutch <laughs> as well. So, I mean, that's going to that's gonna do it. He's he, got the jeans. He's got the mouse jeans. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, moving on. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, uh, I also gave him, like, what else did I give him? Yeah. I can't remember now. Okay, let's move on. Just, but I, that's the beauty, isn't it? You got to sort of collect a lot of bizarre tat and sort of little cans of deodorant from DM, mm. that kind of stuff. Uh, that's certainly what I had in my first advent calendar from my wife way, <laughs> way, way back many years ago um, when she did that kind of thing for me and not the kids. The um, Not that I'm bitter, listeners, not that I'm bitter uh, much. So last week we talked about the, the imminent arrival of Christmas markets. We had a, a bit of a bizarre one on Sunday as my wife and I spent 
the vast majority of the day debating whether we should go to the Christmas market on mm -hmm. Sunday, and we discussed it, um, and we and we spent we spent a long time sort of working out the logistics of it, how we do it, if we go, what we'd have for dinner, that kind of stuff, and then around about four, we both decided we couldn't, neither of us could be asked. Which is quite good because it turned out the Christmas market didn't start until uh, Monday, uh, so we would have turned <laughs> in the middle of Oxford. Like, where's the Christmas market? Oh, there, there isn't one. Oh, right, you absolute losers. So yeah, uh, that was my uh, Christmas market foray. But you've had one this week, haven't you, Dilly? You've been out, out and about in the greater um, part of uh, Saxony-Anhalt looking at Christmas markets. Looking at Christmas markets. So just the one in Weisenfels, but it was a, I, I was there the day before yesterday or it was yesterday in the evening. It was raining and it was very cold. And if you're holding an umbrella in the cold, it means your fingers kind of freeze. So that's what happened to my fingers on both hands because I, I kept switching the hands hoping to warm the other one but that's not what you want to hear about my trip to the christmas market i get distracted yeah, i'm hoping that that's not the entirety <laughs> of your story <laughs> i i have one absolutely wonderful friend here in Sachsen anhalt for whom i'm extremely grateful and she dragged me out of my cozy warm home to go to the christmas market and I have, we, uh, she treated me to a bratwurst, which was very sweet. What was not very sweet was that, you know, you get to choose either uh, ketchup or uh, mustard, zenf on your bratwurst. And she's German, by the way. So I, you know, like any good German, I chose mustard and she chose mustard and, and ketchup. So that's... that's is, that, is, that, is that a problem? Would you have both on your bratwurst? I don't think. Why wouldn't you? I don't think I would, but I don't see. I know because there is a hot dog thing, isn't there? Isn't it like a American hot dogs? You're only allowed to have ketchup on, or you're only allowed mustard, but you're not. You allowed can to have, have fries with either mayo or ketchup or both. But mm -hmm. bratwurst, mm, that's. I mean, there are there's a rule book for this. I would say the ketchup's not good on a hot on like a hot dog or on a. On a brat first, for sure. It's got to be scent, right? Onions and scent. But both of it? Like both mustard yeah. and ketchup? I have... Yeah, I do think that's a bit of an odd choice. Yeah. I don't I mean, I'm going to let, like, um, uh, give her some time and distance and then ask her about it. Does your friend often make dubious decisions like this? It's a common, common issue. Are they putting, are they putting like, chocolate milk on their, on their overnight porridge or something? <laughs> <laughs> It's not porridge if it's overnight. Not yeah, not. sorry, overnight oats. Fuck Apologies. you, Judy. Yeah. And uh, I haven't observed her eating habits at such a close distance. Um, you know, you, you, you get to know someone if they're eating a dinner in front of you or if they're doing, like, you know, eating a messy bratwurst in front of you. It's a very different level of getting to know a person. And I don't think I was ready for this uh, revelation. I'm I'm feeling really uncomfortable about this. I hope that I never meet Dilly in person. That's all I can say at the moment. <laughs> Are you one of them? Oh God, Dilly, he's, he's one of them. Do you eat a he's cheeseburger made... with your hands, Simon, or do you like use a fork <laughs> and a knife? Eat it with a knife and fork. <laughs> do you use a knife and fork? Because I hope you do. I do not, but I I don't mind using a knife and fork with pizza, which you can laugh at me for. No, that, I do I'm that just, too. I like it. I just. The greasy fingers drive me crazy. I sometimes. know, and it all slips off, right? Like the filling. But then you yeah. get to lick. You get to lick your fingers after afterwards. I eat rice and curry, and I lick my fingers enough afterwards. I don't need to do I it know. with pizza. I, f I feel like we're creating those like um, 
uh, those memes about like the acceptability. How do you eat your pizza? Oh, I eat it with knife and fork. Ah, oh, you're a scumbag. You know, like I, I eat my, I eat my Hawaiian pizza with a knife and fork. To the new. What do you mean? Don't, no, no, no. You don't get to drag us into this. You're the king of it. It's Christmas. You're going to be telling. Ooh, you're going to be saying. Ooh, eat your stolen with your cheese. Ooh, blue cheese. That's I mean, you. I mean, weirdly, weirdly, Dilly, that does sound a lot like me. But um, I, I don't see any 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 weirdness there. To be honest, <laughs> I think it's perfectly reasonable. In fact, if anything, it's the people who oppose cheese and stolen that are the weirdos, and and the vast majority apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't Ooh. tried it yet. I don't know if I have the well, heart see, to. This is it. Don't, this is it. Right. Do. Either try before you buy. Right. Try it, and then you can tell me. But I'm, I'm the vast majority of people who tell me I'm doing the, the, a, a, a wrong thing with my cheese and stolen often haven't actually tried it because it is wonderful, listeners. Eat some cheese and stolen. That's all I'm going to leave you with on that front. Um, the other thing, uh, the other thing that blew my mind in, when we were organising the the podcast uh, running order was a story, Dilly, about you stealing food out of other people's trolleys. Um, so I'm desperate to know more about this. So what is this about? You going to supermarkets and stealing food out of other people's trolleys? Never ever be a newscaster because that is not what I told you. And you just strung along two separate stories to make it sound like I steal things out of people's trolleys in the supermarket. I do not appreciate it. Listener and Simon, if you want the real story, this is it. So I there's a German uh, law student on TikTok who makes videos about very stuffily uh, telling people that they're wrong. And um, one video was about how it's actually some kind of crime if you take things out of a person's supermarket trolley that they've already like set aside for themselves. Of course, it's Germany and they need to have a rule about that. The one time I did something similar, but not exactly that, was a couple of Christmases ago. I was looking for ginger and you know how the supermarket employees have this big thing that they wheel around and they stack the shelves with the stuff from it and it had ginger on it and I took that ginger so I wasn't stealing from a person's trolley. It was just something that was about to go on the shelf. And I thought, you know, is it wrong if that ginger skips a couple of steps? It wasn't. I mean, they were going to put it on the shelf anyway. I mean, what they say in Germany, Ordnung must sign. You know, you're breaking the rules. You've got it. There's a process you, you know, here. 30 Thank seconds you. ago, you just said Stolen and cheese. Ordnung must sign. Est. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there is ordnung there. There's plenty of ordnung. It's just uh, it's not the kind that you'd appreciate. No, I mean, of, of, of obviously, I'm winding you up. It's perfectly reasonable to do to do that. I would have said it's quite reasonable. Although, in saying that, it is reasonable to take something that is about to go on a shelf and put it in your trolley. I would not be surprised if the person working uh, to unpack all the stuff and put it on shelves shouted at you for doing it. It hey, feels yeah, like that would true, be a thing true. that I would not be surprised true. by. I mean, I looked occurred. around, there was nowhere, there was no person to be seen. So I just kind of took it. But um, have you, have you ever had anything stolen from your supermarket trolley? Simon? That's just a big fat no there, Dilly. Have you ever stolen anything from anyone's trolley, Simon? Absolutely not. Uh-huh. Okay. It well, have you? Like I haven't. I, it's I, almost I, like you're warming us up. You tell us this one tale about half doing the crime, <laughs> and now it's like, well, I seem to have got this far. Maybe I can confess to actually telling the full crime, which is. So if you want to tell us the full crime. No, I, I don't live life that much on the edge. It sounds like the sort of thing Nick would do. 
Actually, and I do have a story related to stuff being do put in other people's trolleys. So um, many moons ago in a former life, I worked as a security guard in a major British supermarket chain. And uh, one day, I think it was a quiet sort of Sunday afternoon, I was watching the cameras and I saw two kids come in the shop and, and I'd paid no mind to it. And then I started noticing them doing, just behaving oddly. So I started tracking them on the cameras and they were taking stuff from other people's trolleys and putting it into other customers' trolleys. So they were just like taking <laughs> like broccoli out of one trolley and putting it in the trolley next to it, right? Which I thought it was genius personally at the time. But then uh, obviously we, I had to, I had to put an end to it because you can't, you can't have fun and security in the same sentence. So I went down and um, one of the, my managers as like was uh, saw me and said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I've got to speak to these two kids. And she took it very seriously. And uh, she took over and uh, she marched them into the holding area that we had for, for, for shoplifters. And these two kids were shitting themselves. They were pale. One of them was shaking and they were totally crapping themselves. And she, she basically started giving them the third degree. And uh, it, it transpired very quickly. Um, they used the key phrase, oh, it's something we saw on Dick and Dom. And my manager just looked at me like, what the, what the hell does that mean? Is that some kind of slang for new street drugs or something like that? And I was like, oh, no, it's a kids TV show on BBC. And one of the games that they play is they go into supermarkets and they put stuff in each other's trolleys. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, Dick and Dom, no problem. You can go now. And they just walked. They, they were so relieved. They, I got a thank you letter from one of them about a week later Aww. saying thank you for being so lenient. But yeah, it was quite funny. Um but then it did lead me to about a week afterwards when it was I was working a night shift and I was quite bored. I did something similar to the uh, my colleagues by removing stuff from one of their pallets and putting it on another pallet and just causing absolute chaos through a 12-hour night shift. So, yeah, I, I have done that. It's pretty terrible, but also it's very, very funny. <laughs> Actually, that story also reminds me of another... It's a more festive-related thieving from other people's trolley story i'm not sure if i've told it on the podcast i must have done and if i told you about the day i had to bar people from the supermarket for um on christmas eve for stealing brussels sprouts i would I remember it if you had and no you haven't okay so one of the Grinch. one of like yeah well i mean you tell me if i'm the grinch or the fucking lord of christmas uh bringing christmas cheer back to the the masses um objectively one of the worst times to work in any service industry but particularly in retail is sort of days leading up to christmas and especially on christmas eve and one christmas eve i was working in a supermarket again same same chain different store and i was working in the supermarket doing security and i get a call on my phone saying there's a fight broken out in the fruit and veg section and i'm like well, this is going to be good. <laughs> Clearly, it's Christmas Eve. A fight is in, in the fruit and veg section is definitely top of the uh, Christmas Eve bingo. And uh, out I go, and I find two um, housewives ready to like throw down uh, over the last bag of Brussels sprouts. And it transpires that one of the ladies had picked up the bag of Brussels sprouts and put it in their trolley, turned around to pick up something else. And the other housewife had uh, purloined it and put it into their trolley, but had been spotted mid-theft. 
and it sparked this rather unfestive uh, fracas in the uh, in, in the fruit and veg aisle. And uh, initially, I was I, well, I, had to, I had to go back to the cameras, check the cameras, work out what had actually happened because neither of the people involved could give me a coherent answer to what the hell was going on. And uh, it was when I was watching the footage back, the bit of the story that had been left out by the uh, supposed victim of this crime, um, she'd uh, landed a pretty solid left hook on, on the other woman. And uh, so I ended up having to take the Brussels sprouts off both of them and kick them out of the shop and bar them from coming back in. And uh, they told me a lot of interesting information about my mother that I didn't know. Uh <laughs> And uh, one of them proceeded to spend, I think it was like a good couple of weeks trying to end the store. And every time I stopped her, she would cuss me out and tell me, again, a lot of very interesting facts about family members that I hadn't, I hadn't learned before and their sexual proclivities. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was a very bizarre scenario. Um, so yeah, anyone who's working on Christmas Eve in retail, you, uh, you have my utmost respect because it's a pretty horrific thing. So Nick, how does that make you Lord of Christmas? I missed something there. I mean, I got the, I got, I thought there was going to be a happy ending, and um, I didn't hear a happy ending to that story. Oh, well, there was much later in the day because I took that bag of Brussels sprouts and put it in my office for safekeeping, <laughs> and it, and it wasn't until much, much later, sort of towards closing time, one of the, the members of staff was doing their shopping, and they had got everything on their list. And I happened to walk past and she said, oh, you know, I've got everything, Nick. I've got bloody everything. I can't believe I've got everything, but I haven't got any Brussels sprouts. And there's no Brussels sprouts in the store. And I went, aha, don't you worry. <laughs> and I walked into the office and produced the last, I, I believe, the last bag of Brussels sprouts in the entirety of the municipality of Falkirk in Scotland. And she was overjoyed. And uh, she gave me a hug. And uh, she said, Merry Christmas. And I felt like a fucking proper hero. <laughs> So there is your there is your Christmas capstone to my Brussels sprout story. I hope it gives you all the feels that you were looking for there, Simon. It's a Hallmark movie that never aired. Hey, <laughs> uh. I'm surprised they haven't approached me to 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 buy the rights because yeah. it's a pretty solid. Maybe they might. Pretty not. solid story. Yeah. Very solid. You know, and it was that day, Dilly Simon, that I realised that I was the Lord of Christmas. So the weekend saw some pretty big news, not in the uh, my usual sphere of politics, but actually in the sphere of light entertainment as um, a, a true icon of uh, Saturday evening television uh, retired effectively from one of their most famous TV shows. Uh, one Thomas Gottschalk, who was the off and on host of a very famous Saturday night uh, television show, Vet and Das, uh, retired after 36 years um, of presenting. There was a span, I think, of four years, five years, where he wasn't presenting this particular show. But um, after 154 episodes, he's finally hung up his, I don't know, light entertainment spangly jacket. I guess that's what um, light entertainment TV show hosts wear. Um, and so Thomas Gottschalk left his uh, show, Vet and Das, uh, to um, applause and general celebratory hugs and flowers and so forth. And I believe he exited the show on a forklift truck, um, if, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, it's not the first time we've talked about Vet and Das on this 
podcast. Wetten Das is very famous. It's one of the longest running television shows in Germany. It's been going for 43 years. Its first episode was in 1981. And for 36 of those years, Gottschalk was the, was the host. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all over now. We don't know if Wetten Das is going to continue. Um, it's already been on sort of hiatus. It's an odd show. It often lasts several hours and runs over its uh, running time frequently. And it involves, uh, it's like a mix of interviews with celebrities and also uh, like, well, Wetten Das is essentially um, like a bet you basically or bet, or, or, or bet this or something like this. Uh, and it, it involves a, a large segment where celebrities and Gottschalk and various other people bet on whether um, members of the public can perform some fantastic feat, like, uh, I don't know, count um, a number of cards um, or do some kind of acrobatics or something like that. And I was just wondering, guys, what's the uh, what's the longest running TV show that you you know about or even potentially watch? Um, this is a tongue-in-cheek answer. I'm going to say Grey's Anatomy because it felt like it never ends at some point. But I think it just ran for 19 or 20 seasons. I, think, I, I assume Grey's Anatomy is still on somewhere. <laughs> I know, um, in some universe. Yeah. I've never, I've never watched it, but yeah, it's, it's definitely fairly long running. I uh, cried to sure. it today. A, yeah. Oh dear, Dilly. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Coronation Street, surely. I think I think that's one of the highest on the list. In Britain, it's things like the televised Lord Mayor's Parade in London and the Sky at Night, which was um, a TV show about yeah about sort of stars and, and planets and things. But yeah, Coronation Street EastEnders, I think they're fairly long running. But there's not like a light entertainment show that's been running that length of time in the UK, I don't think. Um, would, would you call the Generation Game light entertainment? Yeah, I would. I would. I would. That was very long running, but it, it's not on TV anymore, is it? No. Well, I mean, did anyone take over after Bruce Forsyth, or was he, was he, was he always the one? I guess so. I don't, I don't know. I mean, my knowledge of Saturday Night Television stops with Noel Edmonds' house party, I think which I don't think it's been on television since the mid-90s. <laughs> um, we do have uh, Ant and Deck have various, Ant and mm. Deck, the two Geordie uh, TV presenters, they have various irons and various fires, and they have, um, they've had like Saturday night entertainment shows before, and there's things like um, Strictly Come Dancing and stuff like that, but nothing of such longevity. It's interesting you mentioned uh, Bruce Forsyth, because he's the good equivalent for, for, for Gottschalk. Um, I was trying to think of what the British equivalent would be. What about Doctor Who? It's one of the longest running TV shows in the UK, but it had it was on hiatus for about a decade. So I'm not sure if it if it still classifies as as long running. It's not light entertainment either. It's mm. it's uh, sci-fi drama, I think, or family entertainment. Maybe we could put it down to. But I do like this Bruce Forsyth comparison. He was like the epitome of, of of quiz shows and, and various light entertainment in, in, in the UK. Uh, Dilly, is there a Sri Lankan gotshark that we might not know about? There was this uh, there was this teledrama called Kopikade, and Kopikade literally means um, the, the, the shop that sells coffee or something, the coffee shop. But um, it, it was about this uh, village and it's very, uh, very, I mean, the characters were very predictable. 
the person who stole something always steals something in each episode that sort of thing but they all come together to gossip and drink coffee play cards and stuff um, at a at a little shop and um, then they like talk about people at the village will and i think people i mean we always watched it uh, on wednesdays at 8:30 or something and i i can't remember how long it ran but it i mean it was I mean it ran my entire childhood and teenage years up to the 20s I think. That's a long time. Yeah, it's quite a long time. Yeah. Uh I do I do like find I do like these TV shows that have such resonance with with people and and connect them to their youth. Mm. Especially the German ones because like we have no and, and I'm sure I, I speak for all of us. We have no real emotional connection to this particular tv show but obviously a lot of germans do several generations it feels like have a connection with this particular show and i always love it when you find a celebrity from or when i find a celebrity from the uk that's massive but no one knows about them outside of the uk and and when you find the comparison in 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 germany where there's like a celebrity that everybody would know mm. but outside of the country no one's no one's ever really heard of them and this show is also the, the a good example of of a popular television show that no one no one's heard of other than german speakers and it's a proper nostalgia fest i asked my students about it on monday mm. and everyone everyone knew what it was some of them had watched the fine the, this final episode with, with thomas gottschalk and uh, they said it was very dated and one of the things they talked about as well was the fact that the sound wasn't correct they did something with the sound mm. that it's usually um, recorded and transmitted uh, separate from the image, mm -hmm. but they didn't do it properly. So you basically had like an echo on the episode where you had the, the sound being picked up from within the studio, but also the digital the digital signal was sending the sound. So we had you had like this weird double sound, mm. like it was something out of the the eighties. It was a very odd sensation. One of the students was saying to me. Because I'd be honest with you, I could not sit through three hours of German light entertainment, not even if you paid me vast amounts of money. Um, especially the, the, the show itself that had um, Matthias Schwieghofer, the only actor in Germany. We also had Cher. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was on it. So they always have a random ass collection of, of celebrities that they put on, on this TV show. But it, it has some funny incidents from its history, like... Thomas Gottschalk was one of the, was like a guest character in um, Sister Act. Mm. He appeared in Sister Act 2 because Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg lost a bet on Vet and Das and had to cast him in her film. And so he appears as a, a character, chef character in, in Sister Act 2 mm. because, of, because of this TV show. So there's a lot of these like, weird things that mm. happen. There's also weird bets there was one famous bet that ended in complete disaster mm -hmm. when someone as uh, a guy who said he could jump over cars that would get increasingly faster mm -hmm. and of course i think it was like five cars and on the fourth car the car hit him and it, he ended up permanently in a wheelchair oh, so no. there's a lot of very bizarre sort of like circumstances involved in in, in this particular tv show but yeah now he's retiring got shalk uh, you'll never guess why he's retiring do you want to take a stab in the dark? Is he moving to Tartort? <laughs> no, he's not moving to Tartort. <laughs> no, um, Gottschalk had a variety of reasons why he was leaving, but the one that he highlighted was uh, cancel culture, of course, um, which does definitely suggest 
that that Thomas Gottschalk is a man of a certain age, and he said that uh, he can he, he talks differently at home than he does on television, and it's not nice that he has to do that, and he's not able to say what he he feels in case he gets cancelled. So, um, as one of my students said, um, he's. Uh, it's probably good that he's leaving. <laughs> so. I was I was about to say I, I have a feeling that the family is not going to enjoy his retirement so much. Everyone needs everyone needs a crazy uncle, right? Um, it, 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 yeah, it, it, various family events, and I, I feel like Gottschalk definitely fits that bill. Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's not been entirely uh, made clear whether Vet and Das will continue. It's not the first time Gottschalk's retired, of course. Um, there was a, I think in, he retired in 2013 and came back again in 2019. So we could see a new presenter, we could see a new format, but I don't know. I kind of feel like after 36 years, oh, sorry, after 43 years in total, maybe it's time this TV show stopped being aired and they came up with something more exciting and new, but maybe that's sacrilege. I don't know. Am I wrong in thinking that Baywatch ran just as long? I'm wrong, right? I think you're totally wrong about that, Dilly. Simon's Simon <laughs> Simon's um, Simon's more educated on Baywatch than I am. Sorry. No, I'm just no. I just think common sense suggests that that you couldn't be more wrong about anything in your life, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brutal, absolutely brutal. Oh, so brutal. I'm not gonna think of Baywatch ever again. Top of this often in the news is the concept of, of introducing various speed limits on the autobahn and how uh, upsetting that is to your average German driver. Uh, but uh, recently the city of Frankfurt made a quite uh, momentous decision in that they're creating a, a 20 kilometer an hour zone within the center of Frankfurt from, I believe, December. The focus, the main focus of the, the speed limit will be around the stock exchange, which anyone who's been to Frankfurt will know is where all the exciting skyscrapers are. And there's certainly a very busy road um, going around it. And then it'll be implemented in various blocks throughout different areas of the city. Uh, and that was announced by the traffic department head, Wolfgang Seifert of the Green Party. And he said that driving from parking garage to parking garage uh, should no longer exist in the city center. And that the the idea of of using public transport to get in this city should be promoted a bit mm -hmm. more, and um, certainly in places like uh, Berlinerstrasse, uh, most things will remain the same. Berlinerstrasse being, I think, one of the main thoroughfares through the city, but there'll be certain parking spaces will will be closed or or made uh, no longer available. And the aim is to create a, uh, a not car free city, but they use the term car poor city i don't know how you feel about this i quite like this term car poor um what do you feel about it do you think this is a good piece of terminology we should be introducing into the german lexicon is someone trying to play with carpool and carpool i think someone's trying to play with carpool and carpool i thought it was something to do with parkour as in the, nice, uh, the right? sort of exercise yeah it, Could just, be. i mean poor poor in my accent does have a um a slight ring to it 
I wondered whether it was um, just the opposite of a car-rich environment in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. you'll have a an opportunity-rich environment or a something-rich environment. So it's almost like a complete opposite of that, isn't it? So it's 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 not a car-less or car-free, which it would exclude cars completely. It's just mm. that there aren't so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what I like about it. I like the kind of sloganeering of it. The, it's not a car-free city, it's a car-poor one. And uh, I think, I mean, some people have complained, I mean, at least in my close friend circle, people complain that English is taking over Germany and German, the German language. And guess it's also happening in Frankfurt. Because, I mean, this is English. English this, I mean, someone's playing with English. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, um, auto armor. I don't know if that really works in the same way. <laughs> auto armor. Um, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think it is one of those things where the English is applicable. Mm. Um, the other the other sort of initiative is that they're going to remove these parking spaces, as I said, from certain streets. And uh, Seifert went on to say, if you want to come to the city centre in Frankfurt by car, you can continue to do so and then drive into a parking garage. So there'll be more parking garages available to people who do still want to drive. But m- a lot of these parking spaces will be made available for disabled parking and taxi ranks or delivery and loading areas instead of just simply parking spaces they're also going to remove and i think this is quite a contentious decision they're also going to remove the uh, free parking where it's available and the hope is that by these different various initiatives um, people will be able to travel around the city a bit more freely mm. uh, those who rely on cars can but it'll become more of a bike-friendly environment uh, and side streets especially will become more bike-friendly because I think that's ultimately the problem. Your main sort of city streets have, uh, yeah, sort of, I'm sure plenty of people who cycle will tell me that it's it's not as great as I think it is, but there is a lot of uh, bike access on on main streets, Mm -hmm. but it's when you go down in the side streets that things become more tricky, the parking's a little bit more precarious. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I don't know. I, I sort of think this is this is quite a quite a good idea overall. But of course, like anything, there's been a lot of criticism around it. And uh, Seifert, for his for his part, said that it was questionable whether the the critics were in the majority, because a lot of uh, the reason behind this initiative comes from satisfaction surveys and suggestions from the public. And there's a big survey coming over the next year mm-hmm. where hopefully we'll get more up-to-date information about how uh, the citizens of Frankfurt see this new initiative. Mm-hmm. But the the green politician sort of believes that this is ultimately going to be welcomed by the vast majority and that through various improvements and, and streamlining of the laws, things will become more improved mm-hmm. over time. And obviously this is to protect partially the climate, but also to make public spaces more attractive, sort of move um, investment towards public transport, and uh, maybe ultimately in a whole redesign of how the city functions. Instead of functioning and, and working around people's cars, it'll function around pedestrians, cyclists, and public transport, uh, which I think ultimately is a pretty, pretty solid mm-hmm. thing. And I think anyone, and you know more of this better than us, you've been to Frankfurt more recently than us, but the last time I drove through Frankfurt, I sat in traffic for a ridiculous amount of time. I think it was about an hour and a half trying to get through Frankfurt. 
Uh, it's a mistake I've never made since. But yeah, it's it's. I think I think the vision that they have for uh, this major German city mm. being an example to others for how to have a carpool environment um, is a positive step. So I like the overall idea. As I said, I've had trouble driving through Frankfurt before, and especially in rush hour. But what do you do? You two think of the plan? Do you think this is a, a good idea, or uh, do you think it'll come a cropper due to opposition? I think it's a lovely idea. I always think like, you know, you have these huge parking houses and we have people living on the streets and and roo- and, and like a nice roof and shelter for cars. It's it's it feels very mean uh, that we use cars so often and and so lightly. And the story reminds me of this uh, Spanish city. I'm not entirely sure if I'm uh, if I can pronounce the name of the city quite correctly. It's a Pontevedra I think that's mm. what it's called. And it has been, uh, it's a city where they have been restricting cars uh, for 24 years at least. Yeah, 24 years this wow. year. And the mayor of this city, Miguel Anzo Fernandez Lores, and he has become the mayor of Pontevedra in 1999. And um, uh, it's something that he believed in. Uh, and uh, I think there had been some backlash when he first started making changes to the city and the use of cars but um, he has also been re-elected like three times or so so um, it's he's popular and I think um, the city it was reported and I have the link here it was reported that the city experienced better better pollution levels can one say that (laughs) improved levels of clean air I would say improved levels of clean air and um, he's known, this man is known for saying something. So I'm quoting, um, some of Pontevedra's car owners balked, but uh, Mayor Fernandez Lores was unmoved. It's not my duty as mayor to make sure you have a parking spot. Apparently, he'd said at a conference three years ago. For me, it's the same as if you bought a cow or a refrigerator and then asked me where you're going to keep them or where you're going to put them. I think that's a, that's a very hard stance, um, a man who mm-hmm. speaks his mind kind of thing. But also, I mean, if this is where Frankfurt is going, I mean, it's going to take a while. I mean, have you? Mm-hmm. I've been to Frankfurt, and I'm in Frankfurt often. It's it's very. I mean, finding parking if you're going to the doctors, for instance, it's a pain, and then you mm-hmm. end up parking in a supermarket parking lot where um, the parking is free the first hour or something if you uh, if you buy things for at least 10 euros so you end up buying mm. things for at least 10 euros so that you can go to some go somewhere that is across um, the road from the supermarket yeah so there's like a tax on your parking basically yeah 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 I mean you you uh, you do a lot of driving there Simon so what do you what do you think do you think this is a positive move? So quite recently, I, I left the house, and I guess that's all most worthy of a whole segment on this podcast. Um, Hurrah, finally, yes, he left the house. <laughs> and found myself driving in Cologne on Sunday night in an area that I, I didn't know at all. And I really don't know Cologne a- at all. But I was driving along, and not in the very center of the city, quite close, but not in the very center. And what I noticed, it was raining, it was a bit miserable. But most of the roads I was driving on were 30 kilometer per hour roads. And I was really grateful for these 30 kilometer per hour roads because I didn't know where I was going. And you know what it's like when you don't know where you are, you have to look at everything. And so you've got this, and cities are just 
and, and you know, German roads have got so many signs and lights and all sorts of things going on. And I know I sound like an old age pensioner as I'm explaining this, and no doubt you'll rip into me shortly about that, Nick. But um, I really appreciated the fact that all the roads were restricted to 30 kilometers per hour because it sort of meant that I was traveling at a speed that I could take everything in, follow the navigation in the car, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that, would, that would be my first comment. The second comment is I, I know at least in New Zealand, we have sort of two main areas of concerns around emissions that are impacting um, uh, climate change. The, the first one, and, I, and this is not in terms of priority, but the first one is, is uh, the, the large dairy herd. So they release a lot of methane, and methane is actually particularly problematic in terms of greenhouse gases. But the other thing is that we're constantly told that we have to reduce in New Zealand our um, emissions associated with driving. So, you know, the physics, as, as some people that I work with uh, constantly say, we can get all ideological about this, but ultimately it's the physics that are gonna that are gonna show us what what what's fact and what's fiction, and mm. and so anything that is reducing emissions is a fundamental good at the moment. Mm. And mm-hmm. and driving slower definitely reduces emissions. Um, mm. And okay, maybe there's not a big difference between 50K and 30K, but I think we just have to train ourselves to the idea that we can't move around in these privately owned cars or mm. in cars full stop quickly the way we used to or the way we, we thought we used to be able to. And and And... You know, probably the next step ultimately will be a, a restriction on the autobahns. I, I can see that coming. It may take five or ten years, but but I can see that that will have to come to Germany as well. I, I mean, I think it should come to Germany. I just don't see it happening at all. I just yeah. don't see it ever occurring. Like people often use the or, or kind of make the comparison with gun ownership in the US and the way that people, Germans relate to their cars. Mm. And it's kind of like, you won't get my car from my cold dead hands or something like that. It's sort of, it's a bit over the top. And I've become kind of low key obsessed about speed and speeding in general, because I live in, in the sticks, as I've said, and we, I've become kind of very hyper aware since uh, my daughter started to walk how people will just ignore reality and drive at the speed that they're allowed to drive at, regardless of whether it makes any logical sense Mm. or whether it is safe to do so. And so we have a 50 zone through our um, residential area. There's only certain bits that have speed limits. There's the, the kind of family areas where they have a particular sign that means you can only drive, um, I think 10 kilometers an hour or 10, 20 kilometers an hour max. Um, so it's even lower than that. And there's only a couple of streets like that, whereas everything else, they're quite old streets. So when cars are parked on either side, it's one way traffic essentially, and cars have to wait for others to pass. And yet you'll still get people who are just like, well, that's my right away, And I'm going to drive 50, even though it's clearly not safe to do so, but it's my, it's my right. And, um, I had my wife and I, both of us have had incidents over the last couple of weeks. Um, I had a stare down with a car that was that was doing 60, mm-hmm. clearly doing 60. 
and I was my, my daughter was was like walking with us, and I literally just started shouting at the car because I just couldn't. I was so angry because it's just so unsafe, and there's loads of kids around, there's loads of families about, mm -hmm. there's pets, there's loads of stuff, and it just you can't in an area where you got cars on either side, it's a very narrow street. You can't really pay attention to it, and I know it might sound like oh god, Nick's Nick's turning into 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 old man Simon, but uh, <laughs> that's not. The that's not the case. That's not how it is. Uh, and I don't think Simon's even old man Simon at this point. I think I think that definitely is the case that you really have to make people aware of how dangerously they drive because Germans, especially German men uh, of a particular age, drive like absolute assholes all mm. the time. It's like they've watched every Fast and the Furious movie and they all think they're fucking Vin Diesel, like banging down the street in their Mercedes and so forth. And people just drive horrifically. They've even introduced a traffic light system in on the main street that sort of circumnavigates the the residential area that I live in. And there was uproar across the the area about them putting in these traffic lights. But then they, they released the statistics of how many people crash on that road. And it's like two or three crashes a week, basically. People driving into each other, people crashing into ditches, just doing absolutely ridiculous things because they bombed down that street at 100, even though it's a 70 zone. I'm not into the idea of enforcing speed limits, but when people just don't pay attention and just think they can do what they want, I kind of like, well, you've, you've spoiled it for everyone. This is, this is ultimately the punishment you get. But I mean, this isn't the only story about like road traffic issues in in Germany, there's there's actually been a, a, a bizarre story from Friday uh, that Simon, you've been looking into about about potential new laws to reduce speed limits uh, in 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 the Bundesländer around around Germany that was meant to pass but didn't for various reasons. So, why don't you tell us about that, Simon? Yeah, I mean it's fundamentally an attempt to reform traffic law in Germany, and it was actually the intention was to give more leeway to German towns and, and municipalities to determine things like 30-kilometre traffic zones, play roads. I'm not quite sure what they are. We can maybe discuss that. Also, the allocation of bus and bicycle lanes. And the thing is that this law failed to pass in the, in the German Federal Council or, or the Bundesrat, as, as it's uh, known in German. What's the Bundesrat and what's their role in the German political system? Well, a quick refresher, and okay, last week I sort of showed myself to be a, a, a snob, and I guess I'm just going to be a complete bore this week, but um, <laughs> the, the Bundesrat is the chamber or house in the, in the German parliament consisting of members who represent and are appointed by the state governments of Germany's 16 federated states. So Go together on. with the Bundestag, the Bundesrat participates in the creation of legislation, and laws that affect state powers and all constitutional changes, they need the consent of both parliamentary houses. Each state delegation, and, and I guess the thing here is to really emphasize that it's not an elected body as such, it's a, a representative but appointed body. So each state delegation in the Bundesrat is essentially a representation of the state government and therefore reflects the political makeup of the ruling majority or plurality of each state legislature including coalitions. Yeah, they're like, they're like the upper house. They're like a, a more democratic version of the House of Lords. And a less democratic version of the, of the Senate in the US. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Of course, anyone who studied for the German citizenship test, uh, the Einbürgerungstest, will know this. 
uh, and I was thinking, well, you know, we keep talking about these these um, uh, we're describing these functions of the, the German political system. You know, perhaps we should morph the uh, the podcast solely into something that's that's helping aspiring immigrants pass uh, the citizenship test. But okay, no, I think that's our, that's our selling point, right? Like we're 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 slowly educating our listeners for the potential opportunity to do a citizenship test in the future. I mean, this is all like lovely, lovely, important citizenship test like information, but I've, I do have to ask like, what's, what's the point behind it? Like what was the proposed reform? Uh, why did it hit a roadblock? Yeah. So what, what is this whole story about? Okay. So as I said at the beginning, the motivation was to give towns and municipalities more flexibility in transportation design, including favoring vehicles with alternative drives, which at least I interpret to mean, for example, electric vehicles on selected routes, uh, the expansion of cycle paths, the establishment of play roads. I, I, I've tried, I don't think it's a bad translation from German to English. I have no idea what a play road is, but I guess maybe it's a road that kids play in. Then, yeah, okay, what, what are they doing playing in the road? Okay, let's just not talk about that anymore. Establishing 30-kilometer zones in the vicinity of schools and daycare centers, and also more leeway in the rules for residents' uh, parking spaces. So it's intended that, as well as the usual concerns for traffic management, which traditionally are things like the efficient movement of vehicles and traffic safety, that climate, environmental and health protection should also play a greater role. Now, according to the article in Tagesschau, which was the source of this for this story, the failure to pass the reforming law has come as quite a surprise to a lot of people. And the reason for that is a year ago, several cities had written specifically to the federal government, demanding more flexibility when it comes to assigning speed limits to roads. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's actually an alliance of over a thousand municipalities in Germany with an initiative called Living Cities Through Appropriate Speeds. So arguably, there's quite a strong groundswell for, for change and, and, and reform of the, of the traffic laws. Um, and, and the Tagesschau article seems to suggest that concerns about traffic safety may have been the basis for the Bundesrat's lack of support. And I'm, I'm not sure that that makes a lot of sense, because if you think about it, a lot of what people want to address here is traffic safety. It's, you know, either protecting cyclists or... Um, protecting people by reducing speed limits around areas where more protections needed, for example, schools, daycare centers, et cetera, et cetera. But the longer I research this topic, the sort of the more confused I become because apparently several states abstain from the vote in the Bundesrat, including those with state governments led by the CDU, the SPD, and the Greens. So it's been a little bit difficult to try and figure out really what the problem is and who has a problem mm. with it. Um, for example, on the one hand, the Greens claim an opportunity has been lost to strengthen public transport and give cyclists and pedestrians more freedom and safety when moving in cities. Um, plus also, obviously, the, the environmental and health benefits of reduced speed limits where people live, as we were talking earlier. On the other hand, 
the FDP were pretty excited about it too because they foresaw that this shift in decision-making to local communities would actually ultimately result in fewer of the 30-kilometre zones. And, and just a quote, the, the Federal Transport Minister, uh, Volker Vissing, he's actually from the FDP and he has described 30-kilometre zones as a restriction of freedom. I mean, do you feel whenever you're driving in a 30k zone that your 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 freedom has been uh, restricted in any way? Um, not really. I mean, it seems like pretty weak, weak rule, really. Um, ultimately, that that kind of excuse. I, I had a similar problem. I read a few articles about this topic, and none of them could give you uh, the, the the readers like a, a straight answer as to why so many municipalities have been. Like there's a thousand, mm. I think you said. A lot of municipalities had been had, had been, and Augsburg's one of them, had been imploring the, the 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 government to give them these powers to make these decisions themselves. Uh, in fact, the wildest part of the story, I think, is the fact that the Bundesrat itself had already said recently that they're all in agreement that this was a good idea, and it seemed like it was a fairly straightforward rubber stamp vote, and then it's turned into this thing where the and one story I read was that it was sort of kind of um, suggested that the CDU were opposed it because it looked like um, uh, they were introducing green laws and they don't want to do that. They want to definitely uh, seem separate in their approach to, to the environment from the Green Party. So in that sense, it seems like like it seems like an odd thing. I mean, you, why not give the municipalities more powers to make decisions locally? Why is that a bad thing? And I think it does. It's all optics in this sense, which doesn't really, just doesn't really make any sense. It just seems like another missed opportunity, another reason for Jim just not to do anything about anything ever. I mean, this is what I find so bizarre: is because, on the one hand, the Greens want it for all these reasons, and then the Libertarian FDP want it for all these reasons. So, so everyone seems to want it. It seems almost like the CDU doesn't want it simply because they don't like change. They're, they're terrified of change. It just seems like really bad politics to me. Yeah, pretty much. And I was thinking this the other day when I read about the the coalitions agreed, the law on um, cannabis legalization, mm -hmm. which hasn't had any traction in the news, hasn't been highlighted in the news, hasn't been shouted about in the news. And I think the reason is it's a part of a larger strategy. I think the CDU want that law to pass because it actually uh, will benefit uh, in, in tax revenue for mm. sure, but they just don't want to be seen to be supporting it. <laughs> and anything that where they're seen to be supporting the, the coalition government or uh, the deciding vote, they're always going to vote against it, even if it's not in their interest, because they, I think they're gambling that the credibility of the coalition is such that uh, they want when an election does roll around, they can go. Well, we were always opposed to their ideas. We didn't think that would work, and they can always sort of sell that idea to the to the public, even when it's stuff that the public probably would benefit from, or, or like that people actually want, or the local government want. It all seems a little bit, it just seems really cynical and 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 ridiculous, especially when I think this would have had like a. It might not have ended up with lots of places having 30 kilometer zones, but there's bloody no chance of my streets being shifted into slower uh, uh, driving areas. 
because of this particular law. And like I said, the Augsburg Allgemeine was was uh, gnashing its teeth about this very particular story because they were expecting that these powers would be handed to the state. And even the mayor of Augsburg, who is a, a CSU politician, was saying that it's a real it's a real shame that they're not going to be able to introduce these laws. And I'm like, it's your bloody party mm. that's done this, you know. The state legislature went was against it, even though the municipalities were for it, even if they're in the same party. So it all seems a little bit chaotic. Um I have an addendum by the way, I just did some quick research. I found out what a play a, a play strasser is. Um, oh, yeah. or a, a Spielstrasse. Um, so you have two kinds of roads. I talked about them before. You have traffic calmed areas, which are the, some of the streets that we, side streets that we have here that um, uh, have like a, a, a sign up and it's like kids playing, a blue sign, kids playing right. in the street. But a, um, a Spielstrasse is where there's no cars allowed. Mm. So it's a street, but there's no cars allowed on it uh, as opposed to a traffic calmed area where um, you can drive, but you, you have to drive at a, a, a far reduced speed. Mm. Um, so, and again, how is that a bad thing, really? Like, well, especially as I'm guessing that they're probably in fairly densely populated areas, and it's probably the only, it may well be the only close space those kids have to kick a ball around, run around and do stuff. As, as miserable as we might say that is, because it's a, like a paved surface as opposed to a piece of grass, it still may be the only space that they have. That brings us to the end of the show. I am going to make some overnight oats. Damn you, Nick and Simon. Well, you know, I mean, it's not porridge. Uh, anyway, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post for the hashtag Decades From Home, all lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dillion at Dillialgama, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis some next time. Cheers! Cheers.